0: Ladies and gentlemen, I am delighted to have with me Annette Franz.
1: Hi, Annette. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This is gonna be a great conversation.
0: Thank you very much. Um, I'm really thrilled to start the discussion with you, but perhaps for let's say the last two, three people on the world that don't know you, could you please introduce yourself? (laughs)
1: Yes, of course. Of course. Um, yeah. So I have, uh, you know, I'm founder and CEO of CX Journey Inc., which is my own uh, consulting firm. I've been out on my own uh, consulting um, for the last four years, but I've actually been in this customer experience space for almost 30 years. I started my career. Back in 1992 at JD Power and Associates, and you know, really sort of watched the evolution of customer experience. You know, back in the day, it wasn't even called customer experience; it was called customer satisfaction. We talked about customer loyalty, CRM, customer relationship management, those kinds of things. But so, I spent um, over the last 30 years. I've spent probably 20 of those years on the vendor side, running consulting services organizations. I've also had three stints on the client side. Um, Yeah, and so and here I am for the last four years running my own consulting business so it's been it's been probably one of the best decisions I've ever made.
0: Thank you very much for your introduction. And uh, what I would like also to point out is that you are a CXPA board member, the customer experience professional associations, so a board member. I am a CXP, and therefore even more happy to be part of this. Discussion.
1: <laughs> yes, I am just, you know, last year I was the um, board chair. Um, I've been a board member. This is now my sixth year. This will be my last year. I am the... Immediate past chair this year, and you know, serving the serving the association has been it's been an honor for me really to help to you know advance this profession and to help other folks. Um, It's it's been very cool. It's been very cool.
0: Thank you very much. And let's start the discussion. And as usual, I would like to discuss about this book.
1: Thank you. (laughs) And I see I saw a bunch of post it notes there too. So. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, I, I really use it on a, on a daily basis. And, nice. uh, and I really enjoy it because it's full of insights. But it's not me to explain the book. Now it's, it's your turn to it's give my
1: turn. insights
0: <laughs> on, on your book. And I know you, you spoke about your book um, quite often. We know that you are also going to publish a new version. But let's stay on, on this uh, on this book. Okay. And uh, the structure is extremely simple and understandable. You have three main topics. After the introduction, you start with the uh, listen, characterize, and then uh, aim, and the last part, empathize. And perhaps I start with some question. I know that quite a lot of the questions came directly from, from the book, but um, we, I think you wrote this book and quite a lot of people are still discussing about it. What I am seeing is businesses are still organized in products every business has one silos for one product and it's quite difficult to find out this matrix in where the customer are what's your view on that
1: yeah you know that happens quite often i'm working with a couple of clients right now where that is the situation and and you know like to say these companies are finding customers for their products and not products for their customers and that's really frustrating right because if you spend time Designing a product, who are you designing it for? So, you really need to bring the customer into the organization. And, you know, you, since you read the book, you know what the last chapter of the book is all about, right? It's that open letter to the CEO to say, why is this so hard? Why is it so hard to why do we have to show ROI for customer experience initiatives and those kinds of things? Why is it so hard to understand that you are in business because of and for the customer? And, and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm all about, you know what, if we listen to our customers, then we will design and develop products for them to meet their needs and help them do whatever it is that they're trying to do, not the other way around. Because I think if you focus on the product, then what ends up happening is it's ultimately going to fail at some point, I think, just because it's not necessarily meeting the needs. And so you're constantly iterating and trying to figure out what your customers are saying and doing and why it's not working for them. And if you started with the customer, um, I think you'd be a lot more successful, a lot quicker.
0: And uh, I think it starts everything with the customer because with, without customer, it's quite difficult to, to have a yeah. business. Exactly. <laughs> in your first chapter, chapter, you're really uh, discussing and explaining this, uh, the part of the listening. What's the most important insight that you have in the book that you would like to share with the audience?
1: With regards to listening, um, yes. I would say that it's not just about listening. So listening is, I put three components in that. So it's not just about surveys. I think that's the important point to the, listening aspect of this. So listening is about asking, which is surveys, any, you know, feedback, any way that you're asking your customers for feedback. It's also listening, which is any way that they prefer to give feedback. So it's, you know, it's online reviews or social media or those kinds of things. And then the third component of it, which I think is really important, is what I call capture. So ask, listen, and capture. And capture is all about the breadcrumbs of data that customers leave behind when they interact or transact with the business. And then Taking all that, both what you know from the attitudinal to the behavioral and combining it, bringing it all together, you will have such a great understanding of your customer's experience and the expectations and be able to design product services and the experience that really it meets their needs. So, so I think that's the key is that listening is really about not just the, the feedback, but also the other data and, and combining it.
0: I think nowadays it's everything about data and, uh, and it's important okay. to, to, yeah. to leverage th- this data and, and this information. And now we are already going to the second chapter. It's, uh, it's all about characterize. It means you are speaking and describing personas. Perhaps also for the audience, could you, could you, could you please do step back and make for us understandable the difference between segments, buyer persona, and then the personas that we are using in customer experience or we should use in customer experience to create this uh, journey map.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is, a, this is a great topic to talk about because I, I often hear people talking about segments when they're talking about designing, you know, even when they're going to do their journey mapping workshops. And segments are really, really high level, right? It's, it's Imagine taking a look at the world and saying, okay, we're going to split up the world into five regions. And that's, those are our segments. Or we're gonna look at our you know, customer population and we're gonna split them up by, you know, by age or by some demographic, right? And that's gonna be the segment that we're gonna focus on. Um, and the one that I like to use is because they, they, they do this a lot, they talk about this a lot here in the States is around um, you know a, a prime demographic is men 18 to 49 years old. Well, I have a 19 year old son and I have a boyfriend who's 52, they, they, there's not a lot that they have in common for a lot of different things, and especially not in terms of you know, the problems they're trying to solve and the, their needs and expectations and those kinds of things. So, so to, to look, at, look at and try to design an experience at such a high level is really not, not useful at all then buyer personas are what typically what, you know, your marketing folks develop to get folks through the, through the buyer funnel, right? And that's really, you know, when, when they do the research to develop those personas, it's pretty high level too. It's, you know, demographics, it's, it's preferences, it's why they buy what they buy, um, you know, those kinds of things, right? And it's very high level as well. It's not the level of detail that we need for the what I, what i just called like the cx design personas and, and the those cx personas are probably more in line with what your ux teams do in terms of developing personas which is you can take those buyer personas but then you want to add more detail to them and they'll probably break apart into into more personas by taking a look at you know what are your Um, what are their pain points, what are their needs, what are their expectations, what are their preferences, what jobs are they trying to do, those kinds of things, and really getting to that level of detail to get to the um, persona that you want to use then to design the experience. And the beauty of starting with the persona at that level to design the experiences, it takes us one step closer to then, the next step is personalizing the experience for the individual in front of you. So, So yeah, so you want to get down into the, you know, the the what are they doing thinking and feeling you know in terms of the persona that we want to develop
0: for um, designing the experience thank you and and i think this is really key and also trying to to start with with one example and it's a super easy one but every company is is saying we need an app and we need to push out (laughs) the app as quick as possible and then we have one app with some features that should fit for everybody. Right. And it's extremely difficult to make understandable for uh, these uh, C-levels that to tell them, yes, you have now one app, but ne- now you need to personalize that and to create different journeys for uh, different personas. Right. What's your view on that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree, you know, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I just uh, about a week or so ago, um, did a presentation for some of the executives of of um, health clubs, gyms around the globe, right? And one of the things that we talked about, obviously because a lot of the gyms have been closed for the last year. A lot of them have been closed for the last year. And so again, same kind of thing, you know, developing an app and do, which is great. That's that's what they've had to do. And a lot of them have been able to succeed, stay alive because of that. But again, to your point, you know, the they're, the, the needs of, for example, somebody who's a bodybuilder, are very different from somebody who's you know 55 plus or there I think that that group is often referred to as the silver sneakers or something like that so they're very different needs so they have when they go to use the app they have different information that they want to see they have different workouts that they want to do you know that kind of things so you really do have to understand your user and put them on a path even in an app put them on a path that's going to meet their needs.
0: Uh, clear and I think we are also coming to the to the third chapter of, of your book it's it's about empathize and there you are speaking quite a lot about walk in the customer shoes and I, I try always to move that or re, or rephrase that it's not only walk in the customer shoes but it's feel smell and and like like the customer and <laughs> yes. and there then you when you really feel as a customer, the pain that you have going through some journeys or waiting 20 minutes uh, at, the, at the phone or um, requiring to get a signature or getting back some requests because you f- you didn't feel correct properly, a form it's it's extremely important. Yeah. Do you have some suggestion there?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, um, I've, this is, this is one of my favorite topics, right? Because I think that journey mapping is, probably one of the most powerful tools that you can use when it comes to understanding your customers and then especially understanding the experience that they're having today and then redesigning the experience for tomorrow. I always say that they they do so much in terms of informing your customer experience strategy. So powerful tool, powerful process to to do just that. I agree with you. It's it really is about getting into their heads, into their hearts, really feeling and seeing and smelling and doing what it is that um, they are doing, right? And that's why it's so important when we map the customer journey that we actually do it with customers. So I'm having <laughs> I'm having those conversations with clients every day. No, we're not gonna map with employees. We've gotta bring customers in the room because we wanna hear what their experience and what they're seeing and, and doing and feeling and thinking.
0: And in the book, you are explaining the process really in a structured way with all the step, all the relevant step, perhaps what I am, also, seeing uh, in, in different discussions and in different workshops, quite a lot of people are saying, let's directly go to the uh, 2B journey. And then we work on the 2B journey because uh, we don't want to lose time creating the SIS journey, improving that, and then defining the roadmap to get to the 2B journey. Perhaps, yeah. do you have also there some support that we can use as a CX professional to explain why it's so important? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, and I always like to say, you know, you can't transform something you don't understand. So first of all, there are, you know, in my journey mapping process, there are six steps and the three key steps are, um, the other three are sort of supporting and really important as well. But the three key workshops that we have are the current state, first thing is current state, then the service blueprint, then the future state. And the current state, what really ends up happening when we map the current state first is it allows us to fix You sort of do these tactical fixes today, because when we go and design the future state, that takes time. That takes a lot of time, right? So it might actually be a year before the experience that you design today as the ultimate or the ideal experience of the future, you're going to revamp The systems and the processes and the whole you're going to upend everything right to design that new experience, most likely, and so if we can take a look at the current state today and fix what's going wrong today. And not just tactically, but that which is why we need to uh, create the service blueprint, so we can fix what's happening on the inside as well, but making changes making those improvements today to technically hold us over until we're able to design and, and and implement the the you know future state experience so that's really why it's so important to start with the current state um, because the future state it takes time and your customers may be gone by the time <laughs> by the time you get that one implemented so so it's it really is sort of a step-by-step process there
0: the, the next uh, topic that I, I would like to, to discuss with you it's also quite a lot of people are saying OK, let's work on the on the 2B journey, everything designed, or you get a mandate to work on the 2B journey, and then people start on the interface to the customer. And uh, and then, as you mentioned that, but I would like really to deep dive a bit on, on that, it's you need also the service blueprint and also the technology, technological piece. Because if you fix first the piece that it's the interface to the customer, then you don't get the budgets to fix all the steps that you should really fix. And also there, how are you speaking, discussing this topic with the C-suite that it's important to start, for example, digitalizing processes from the core to the customer and not yeah. backwards?
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I'll, I'll answer that question first. You know, I have, oftentimes have the CEO or, or the, some of the executives sitting in on the on the workshops. and if you're a human being (laughs) with a heart (laughs) and you see what your brand is putting your customers through, there have been so many times where having the CEO in the room has really been so eye-opening that the CEO has said right away, you know, I can't believe we make our customers go through all of those steps or we cause so much pain for our customers, we need to fix this. So so I think that's a that's a really important thing to do is to keep those executives involved in the process so that they can really understand. I think some of them are so high level and so far away from the customer most of the time, right? That they don't even realize um, how painful the experience is, is for customers, so.
0: I think you are you are touching two extremely important uh, topics and I think these are key success factors. One is the cultural aspect of, of the customer journey mapping and the second one is on the leadership. Perhaps one step after the other uh, discussing about the cultural aspect of, 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 this, uh, of this process and of what, what we are doing. Also there what I often see is the executive outside that they identify a technology i want to do something with ai this is a, do a project create something for me and and delight the customer yeah and uh, and i think these are also an issue that you are facing often
1: yeah you know what here's here's what i say to, to the latter point about technology right Um, you can't just throw technology at at this and say, we did CX, right? But it just doesn't work that way. You know, technology really is a tool that enables and facilitates the experience that the customer is having. The experience is very much human and the experience is very much emotional, you know, and technology and saying that, okay, well, we just threw some technology at it. So the experience is fine is not the right way to go about it. Absolutely not. It's, you know, again, it, it will help to facilitate the experience, but it is not the experience because the experience, like I said, is very much human. Um, Your your point about culture is really important too, because when people come to me and, and want to do these journey mapping workshops, I often ask, well, do you even have the foundation in place to go and do something with what you've learned, right? Because if you don't, then you'll probably be spinning your wheels and you will absolutely 110% need to get your CEO into those workshops so that he or she can understand the experience that the customer is having today and, and to understand why this culture is so important. So culture is really the foundation of, of all of it, right? Because if you have this customer-centric culture in place, the things that you've learned from, whether it's listen, characterize, and empathize are automatically going to be used and incorporated into everything that the business does, all the discussions, all the decisions, all the designs, like I like to say, and it'll be incorporated into that. And the customer will be at the center of all of that. And, uh, you know, it just makes everything easier when,
0: uh, when the, that culture is already in place. Sure, and uh, I think what you are mentioning, and you mentioned that several times, it's about uh, having the CEO sitting in this discussion, being part of this discussion, and I think this is something that for us six professionals, is always difficult to get the involvement of, of the top management. Perhaps do we have some secret ingredients or secret hints that, that we can leverage?
1: Well, you know, uh, here's here's the thing with the with the CEO and the executives. Right. So first of all, we have to appeal to both sides of their brains. Right. So we have to appeal to the analytical side and we have to appeal to the emotional side and with the analytical side. It's all about numbers. It is all about the ROI and building the business case and showing if we do this here's how it will impact the business you know um so that side is all about the data and having that data in place the other side the emotional side is you know the like i just said having them in the journey mapping workshops and and allowing them to see you know like i said anybody with a heart is going <laughs> to is going to say wow i don't believe i, I don't believe we put our customers through so much pain you know telling customer stories bringing customer stories in um and really um helping them understand the customer emotion that goes into this experience. Having that, you know, an immersion program where the executives go out and they sit with customers as they are using the products or experiencing um, the services or whatever. Another thing that I like to do too is to tie the experience work to perhaps some project or passion project that um, the executive might have so what legacy do they want to leave with the organization how do they want to how do how do they want to be remembered you know as as they leave the organization or leave this world you know is is what do you what do you want that to be and so if you can make that connection with your employee uh, with your executives as well i think that's an important way to um, get that that commitment and involvement from them
0: thank you very much i think these are these are really key topics and perhaps Uh, Based on the fact that I have you on the show, I need to ask also this question. We spoke about processes, we spoke about customer, and I would like to spend the next five minutes also on the employees. I was already participating to several workshops, to several uh, um, webinars where you were discussing about employee experience, and you have really a nice pyramid where you are explaining uh, the importance of, of the employees perhaps also some insights why it's important to involve also employees in this journey mapping.
1: Yeah, to involve them in the journey mapping is is key, right? Because, and, and one of the things that I say when, when I, two things, I'll I'll come back to the service blueprint, but the other thing that I say about when they're involved in the journey maps is to not just involve the people who are so for example if you're i always like to use this example if you're mapping the customer experience as they're trying to get support you know call calling in or emailing or whatever with uh, with your contact center you don't want to just have in that workshop you don't want to just have folks from the customer service department right you want to have people from marketing from sales from the product you know product design from product marketing because uh, sales sold the dream marketing's messaging was off the product design was faulty the the you know documentation or the information about the product was inaccurate or whatever it was you know something caused the customer to ultimately get in touch with your service department and customer service department to get help with something or to to answer a question so if we bring in employees from other departments that are sort of tangentially involved in that um in that journey they get to hear the pain that the customer is having and then things get fixed upstream. And what ends up happening is if marketing sales, product, product marketing, get everything right, then that ultimately should reduce the volume on your contact center as well. So that's pretty key there. So, so there's that. So I think that's important. The second thing that I want to mention about employees is that a lot of times, you know, the, a lot of people think that, um, the employee, um, the employee experience, uh, customer experience connection, happens at the front line, and it doesn't just happen at the front line. Yes, front line are critical because they're face to face or they're on the phones, speaking directly with your customers. But your back office employees are also really important to um, the customer experience. And what one of the best ways that we can make that connection for them is to do that service blueprint, because the service blueprint, you know, shows you know the people, the tools, the systems, the processes, the policies the things that are behind the scenes that are again, supporting and facilitating the experience that the customer is having. And what gets you know from that map, from that blueprint, what employees can see is how they're connected to the customer's experience. And they get to call out where their experience is broken down as well, because if the policies are outdated or if the processes are broken, or if they don't have the tools or the right tools or outdated tools, then of course they can't deliver the experience that that customers deserve. And their experience is pretty rough too because they don't have the things that they need to do their jobs and to do them well.
0: I think this is an outstanding answer and what you're saying is what customers deserve and this is really the key. And I would like to to close this first part of the discussion with one sentence uh, out of your book. It's not pre-aligned, but you mentioned the, um, the letter to the CEO And at the end, it's uh, the the letter to the CEO, it's a net writing to the CEO. And it stated, if you need a little reality check, pause for a moment and imagine your business with no customers. And uh, I think this is is really key. And it's a sentence that I remember and I also try to to give to the older people because this is really the essence of customer experience.
1: It is the essence, absolutely. Absolutely,
0: great point. the second part it's a shorter one but for me it's extremely important because at the end we are in a human to human business and therefore we would like to learn a bit more about you and uh, you are really successful you wrote the book you have your own consulting firm and uh, how can you ensure to have a satisfactory life work balance
1: well (laughs) i I, i'm going to ask you the same thing because i i would like to know (laughs) you know what here's the interesting thing i think with the, with everything that happened in the last year with the pandemic and the lockdown and everything, I think it really forced us, I would say us, but it really forced me to have a better work-life balance. You know, I have, I have two kids, I have a 16 year old and a 19 year old, um, two boys and, you know, they're everything to me. And, you know, I can't just sit here and work all day long. You know, I need to, I need to step away and take care of them and their needs and feed them. And, you know, um, but, you know, they really do help, help to bring that balance into my life because I want to spend time with them. Right. So, you know, I, uh, but I always start my day with working out. I think for me, that's a good way to really, you know, clear your head, think about what the day is going to look like. And just, it's, It's my sanity is what I say. So, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, a new thing that I've incorporated into my life is about once a month is just to take some time off, take a long, long weekend, whether it's three days or four days and just step away from it all. And when I come back, I'm a lot more refreshed and and ready to go so because it's you know a it's been unpredictable it's been a little crazy so so that's those are some of the things that i've incorporated into my life just to try to have a little bit more work-life um, balance
0: i'm not going to answer the question that you asked me because it's 10 p.m and i am <laughs> and <laughs> <here's the> <laughs>
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> but this was the question to you. No, and the next question is for sure. Um, I will publish also the, the link to, to your book. Is there a book that, that you are reading or that you say this book, it it's was really important in my career?
1: You know, there's a book that I and it's I don't know that it's necessarily my career, but it certainly reinforces a a lot of the things that I believe in. It's a book by Hal Rosenthal. It's called The Customer Comes Second. And that's not that's not intuitive to people, but basically what he says is that the employee comes the customer, the customer comes first, really, but the employee comes more first, right? So really, it's the employee. So it's that whole connection between the employee experience and the customer experience. And it's such a powerful book because he gives examples that are just, and he tells you how to do it. I mean, the company, uh, Rosenbluth International, I mean, they're a huge travel, travel business, right? They've been around for many, 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 many years. He wrote the book in 1990, I believe it was. And it's funny because the way that he talks about technology and how they use technology, of course it was different. It was IBM mainframes, it was fax machines, it was different technology, but it's it's basically the same conversation and how we talk about technology today, 30 years later. You know, So it's pretty crazy, but great book, because like I said, it's so true. The employee uh, customer connection is real. And he gives some really great examples and and tells you how to do it to make sure that the employee really is more first.
0: Thank you very much. And the second last question, it's it's the usual one. If somebody would like to to contact you, what's the best way to contact you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, Through my website, uh, cx-journey.com or on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to uh, connect with folks on LinkedIn.
0: And uh, you have an outstanding newsletter. This is uh, really creative <laughs> insights and therefore please also apply to get the newsletter. And this is my very last question. Annette, this is the, about the, your gold nugget. It's something that we discussed or something that we didn't discuss but you would leave to the, to the audience.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think I'll I'll say two things. The first one is is that culture really is the foundation of everything that you're doing, right? So make sure that you uh, do the things that you need to do to ensure that your business is, uh, you know, it is a customer-centric culture. And and really, what that means is that it starts from the top, right? The CEO, it's deliberately designed to be that way. The culture is deliberately designed to be that way. And the CEO has committed to putting the customer's best interest into everything that the business does. So that, I think that's the first thing. The second thing really is about the employee customer connection. Take care of your employees and they will take care of the, the customers. And ultimately that means they'll ta- be taking care of the business
0: as well, so. Thank you for these two gold nuggets. I am not commenting them because these are Annette's gold nuggets. The last thing that I want to say is, Annette, thank you very much. It was really a big pleasure to have you on uh, on my show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's uh, this is a conversation, like I said, you and I can have for a long, long time, many, many days. But uh, thanks for wrapping it up in a nice little nugget in 30 or 35 minutes. <laughs>
0: And also to the audience, thank you very much. It was a great pleasure. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Arrivederci. Grazie mille.